I want to kind of carry on from where, where I left off last week, really. I, I was talking last week, I actually did an exegesis of 1 Corinthians 2, because what's talking about our intimacy with Holy Spirit. And I just want to remind you a couple of things and, and perhaps just take it a little bit further. In the time we have this morning, I think one of the things we're realizing as we seek to go forward with him, increase the freedom in our culture, is actually the key at the heartbeat of this is our intimacy with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's actually not possible. So, For example, it's not possible to make a church completely safe by everybody's standard, external standards of safety. The safest place is to know you have a strong and secure connection to the Father. So our, our goal is, one of our goals is to help all of us be better connected to the Father because that's whenever what he does and ever how, how he does it. And sometimes he does weird stuff. If you noticed in the Bible, it's full of weird stuff that has the potential to scare us. But we won't be scared if we know we're secure in the love of the Father and we're able to continue in what he's doing rather than being distracted by... So our priority is that. And I was talking to a Bible teacher friend of mine this week, actually. We had a fun chat about all sorts of theology stuff. I like doing that. And we were looking at what, just exploring, well, what is the role of a Bible, the gift of Bible teacher? And I said, I'm increasingly thinking that actually the job of a Bible teacher is to help people connect to the teacher. So one John says that you'd, actually it's quite confusing because in 1 John he says that you don't need a teacher because you've got one. And then in Ephesians it tells us there's a gift of teacher. And in Romans 12 there's a gift of teacher. So do these guys even talk to each other? Like one says you don't need one, the other says there are God's actually Holy Spirit has given us the gift of teacher. And, and actually what we're beginning to see, if you like the, the heartbeat of a pastor is to make sure you're connected to the Father it's, and Jesus because he's the shepherd. He's the one who shepherds us the best. It, it's, it's strengthening your connection. The heartbeat of, of, of teaching is to connect you to the teacher. And not to take his place, but to help you see, hear, connect to the, the teacher. And, and not Because the danger with... If I just said, you don't need any teaching, you get everything direct, is that we could become aberrant because we don't have... Do you know we kind of just go with gut instinct and some of it will be right and some of it won't? We're all growing to discern the difference between good and evil. So that's why we need the external teacher to help us tune in to the heartbeat of the teacher who's given us the Holy Spirit. Just, just kind of exploring this. So... <clears throat> Our passage is 1 Corinthians 2. It says, What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And it's not possible to discover the mysteries of God by human imagination, effort. You could listen, you could listen to every philosopher, visit every university on the planet, you could you could watch every TED talk, you could you could stretch yourself to the max in every possible way but it's not possible for human imagination and insight 
to discover the profound, glorious, and beautiful mysteries of God. Nobody would have come up with this plan on earth. And so he says, that's what he says, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. He has something so astounding, no human being could have cooked it up. But there has to be, if that's the case, there has to be a way of connecting humanity and human beings like you and me to this incredible thing that God has cooked up for us. That, because if we're, it's impossible for us to think of it, how are we going to discover it? We could go to the ends of the earth and we still haven't found it. We could spend all our time and all our money, and people do that. Don't they? they go on searches to find truth. Or, but actually, it has to find you. Because what he says is these things God has revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of the person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now you've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. The connection point from heaven's realities, God's thoughts, God's mysteries, God's incredible plan to, the, to us is the Holy Spirit. So we've often said this here, and I risk constantly being misunderstood. Jesus didn't leave us a book, he left us Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit inspired the book, so don't misunderstand. I'm preaching the Bible right here. I love the Bible. The Bible is inspired, it's inerrant, it's got everything we need inside it, but we need to put it in the right place because Jesus said he'd send the Holy Spirit to lead them into all truth. All right? So the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, the church is stuck with dogma, rules, and words. So having intimacy and connection with the Holy Spirit is very important. And furthermore, he says, what we've just read is, he didn't just send the Holy Spirit to come and knock on the side of your head and say, hello, I'm Holy Spirit, here's today's lesson. He didn't send Holy Spirit to, you know, just to be around you. He actually says he sent Holy Spirit to be inside you. And then he tells us that who knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man. So inside of you, you have the reality. What you really think and feel is inside your spirit. So... And depending on how connected up we are or how brave we feel or that will come out of us and sometimes we don't reveal it and sometimes we don't even know what we have in us to reveal. But the real thinking, feeling inside of us is here is described as inside the spirit of a man or a woman there is this thing called a spirit which is where you really think and feel about life. All right? You happy with that? Then what he's saying is God's the same. He has a spirit and the mysteries of God and his thoughts and his feelings for you and us and the planet and the universe and, and all the infinite possibilities of what being God is like, actually that spirit that's inside of him is exactly like the spirit that's inside of you. It's just infinitely more incredible. And the Holy Spirit is 
the Spirit of God. It's the internal heartbeat, thinking mind of God. And he says, you know how I'm going to reveal to you what's really going on in me is by putting me in you. I'm not putting the superficial bit of me. I'm not putting the externals of God inside of you. I'm putting my internals into your internals. Just imagine, this is going to be a scary thought, but here I am. And suddenly, my inner life, my inner feelings, thoughts, jump out of me and come and cohabit inside of you. So you have all your thoughts and feelings going on, and then I kind of pop up inside and go, Hi, here I am. I don't feel like that about what you feel. That's what God has done. What happens at conversion is suddenly he pops up inside and he goes, hi, I'm here. And you're like, oh really? This is a bit scary. I was struggling with dealing with one of me inside of me. Is, is this making sense? And this is why we talk about here, we talk about Jesus is it's not really a model for us, but a model of us. Because who here believes that Jesus was 100% man? He was human. Yeah, you all do really just. But he was also 100% God, yeah? And he, he carried the spirit in, in great, greater measure than, than anybody. And he, so he was 100% divine, 100% human. So he lived in this dichotomy. He lived in this kind of tension of he was of earth, but heaven lived inside him in fullness. Yeah? He, he, he had that dual thing going on. It's like dual nationality. Was he heaven passport or was he earth passport? Well, he had both. Was he born in a human body on the earth? Yes, he was. Was he born from above, from heaven? Yes, he was. Are you born from a human body on the earth? Yes, you are. Are you born from heaven in your spirit? Yes, you are. He's, he was the first of your kind. He's the first of the crazy people who have two spirits inside of them. And that's why when Jesus gets to the cross, I mean, that most terrible of thoughts, there is this tension inside of him because everything in him as a man does not want to get nailed to a tree. Do you remember the bit and he's praying and he's, he's weeping or, or, or he's, he's sweating drops of blood and then he's saying, if, it, if there's any way through this, he's basically saying, let me off, let me out of this but yet not your, my will, but yours be done. The, the tension of the human and divine in Jesus' life is there for all of us to see. And, and the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the divine nature, won. For which we're all forever grateful <laughs> that his humanity did not win in that hour. But he was willing to submit his humanity to his divinity. 
And that's why the Bible says that he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Jesus was always obedient. Yes, he was always obedient, but he didn't always find it easy to be obedient because just like us, he had a humanity that was trying to work itself out in connection to divinity. Now, he's made you the same by popping up in your life and going, hi! Suddenly you have the same problem, quote, as Jesus did. That's why it's good to look at Jesus because he's a model of you. He was the first of you kind of person who walks around as human and divine at the same time. I thought that was a good thought. I have one or two others and then we'll quit. Is that that okay? If he lives in you by his spirit and the spirit of God is the very heartbeat, thoughts, machinations, imaginations of our heavenly father, we have internal to us, we have access to the beating heart of God. And I, I, I came across a great illustration this week. Apparently, medical people would know this, because if you, if you, they keep hearts alive for transplants. If you put two hearts together, actual physical, I know it's a bit gross, but just stay with me. Two hearts together, and you've been keeping them alive, and you stick them next to each other, they will actually come into rhythm with one another. Now, God's put his heart inside of you right up next to yours moving it into a metaphorical thing here so as we allow ourselves to be influenced by the heartbeat of God our whole being starts to resonate with heaven's heartbeat you don't need him to come from there to do this it's actually connecting to what he's already put in you which is his very heartbeat huh so you can feel and know his heartbeat for you. I can feel and know his heartbeat for me because his heart is beating in me. That's why the passage that we read, it ends with, and we have the mind of Christ, which is like, wow! Isn't that, that's possible to access the thinking of Jesus inside yourself. That's why we can change the world. Because we can have thoughts no one else is having. We can think at a level no one else is thinking. So that this planet can come more and more into tune with the original heartbeat of God for it. And the people like us who who have the Holy Spirit activated inside us are the hope of the world. For that very reason. (laughs) I thought that was good too. So So this is, uh, maybe it doesn't do this, but this is what I've struggled with this. So there, okay, if you think my spirit, you know, if we had a chart, you know when your kids are growing up, you put a little line on the wall, like how tall is he now? And and you say, how big are your hands and how big are your feet? Say, one day, you know, like my sons, one day you'll be as tall as me. And now they're both taller than me. So if you had a chart like that and you got your spirit out and you put it on the wall and you kind of, 
whoa, look at that, that's amazing. Look at that spirit that's in you. And then you, did, you got God to stand against the door frame. <laughs> None of us could reach to put the pencil mark, all right? So it, how does all of him fit in all of you? I don't know, but that's what he says. Because he's the God that does miracles. How could Jesus be 100% God? It's a profound mystery that I really don't know. But it's true because the Bible says it's true. But in a fight, it's not a fair fight. You know, here's me and here's, here's him. And they're both inside of me. And if there was a difference of opinion, who... Who's got the muscle to win? So why doesn't he just bowl me over? Why, why don't I always just get boom, crash into his will? Why, don't I just, why doesn't he just overwhelm everything that I have with everything he has? Because, you know, he's the God Almighty. Of, he has, it's no contest. God could, God could accidentally obliterate Glasgow just by accidentally flicking his little finger. Whoops! Oh, oh, oh. Then you have to recreate it all again. Just so. But he has that potential, doesn't he? He has that potential to have a thought and create another universe because he doesn't have enough going on in this one. It wouldn't tax him to do that. And for all we know, he may have done, but that's not really important this morning. But the point is, <laughs> we go there, we're really in trouble. I'm just trying to illustrate how massively, like, and then he says, I want to live inside Andy Merrick. You're like, you've made me heaven's address. You, you, could, you could overwhelm my thinking, my feeling, my approach, my personality, with, with, almost without thinking about it. But he doesn't. Does that mean he's not there? Sometimes I've interpreted it the wrong way. Like, well, because you're not doing that to me, you're not really there. This is what I'm talking It's kind of theory, really. It's a nice theory. No, no, no. He doesn't do it because it's not how he works. Jesus said this, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Remember this, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. I just want you to notice the verbs in that are about things that you do to access something he wants to do. Come to me, that's something we do. He's available, he's present, he's there, but come to me. Take my yoke. I'm not thrusting it on you, I'm not breaking off the old one. I'm offering you a new one that you can choose to take. Learn from me. That's a choice that we get to make. God doesn't strap you to a chair and enforce you to watch 25 hours continuously of his teaching. He says, learn from me. Take a 
an attitude of a learner. You get to do that. We get to choose internally to lean into his presence in our life or not. We choose to lean internally, take his yoke on us, learn from him or not. We get to choose whether we come to him internally or not, as the case may be. Remember that the, the God set the, the whole of creation up with a tree in the garden that he, didn't, that he said don't eat from it, but he didn't protect it. He didn't, it didn't prevent an aberrant choice. It didn't prevent disobedience. He didn't force them to be who he'd made them to be. I'll say that again. He didn't make them be who he'd made them to be. He gave them the choice to make a different choice and he did nothing to prevent them making the choices. Teresa often says, my wife says, he didn't put the tree on the top of a very cold mountain with barbed wire around it. It's like, don't eat from that tree. He's like, well, I'm not even going up there. It's too cold. It was in the garden. It was only afterwards that he put a cherubim with a flaming sword in front of the other tree it was completely unprotected it was completely available for a poor choice to be made so take my yoke the God who made the universe the God who made us the God who sustains us is not in the business of overwhelming us and forcing us with his presence, wisdom, power. And you're like, well, what about, what about the Apostle Paul? You know, he got knocked off his donkey, camel or horse. But he still had a choice. He actually says, I, I, I'm not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So he knew he could choose. Even with that incredible interruption in his life, he knew he still had a choice whether to pursue that or not. Are you with me? Is this sense of, oh wow, God does interrupt our lives powerfully, he does come on us powerfully, but that is never to overwhelm us to the point that we just find we're doing it because we're so controlled by him. Some of us, I know for me, I would kind of like it like that sometimes, like, oh God, just take me over. Just... uh, the responsibility of being me sometimes, you just take over, you be in control. He said, no, 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 that's not how this works. He's also not looking for you to be in control. Well, somebody's got to be in control. Possibly not. When God made man in his image, male and female, he created them. Andy referred to this already. Male and female, he created them and said, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, subdue, etc. Genesis chapter 1. Two people. Somebody has to be in control. Or not. There is another option. Let's just take this a bit further. 
while you're thinking about that one. <laughs> in, in the scripture we just read, it says that he, see this reflects on the very heart of God himself. Because what Jesus said is, come to me, take my yoke, learn from me, because I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. If God was going to overrule you and dictate to you, he would not be gentle and lowly in heart. If he violated your will with his, he could not say, I am gentle and lowly in heart. So in this tension almost, we learn something really vital about his heart for us. He wants to put and has put all of his heart inside of us, but it's such is the tenderness of his heart that he's not going to use all his incredible, infinite, muscular power to overwhelm us with it. Otherwise, he isn't the God that Jesus modeled to us on the earth. Just, just put up with me for this morning because I, I, this is how I think about stuff. All right, you're getting my thoughts. So they, I'm thinking this and I'm thinking, yeah, but Jesus went into the temple, didn't he, with the whip and he turned the tables over and he chucked them out and I'm like, oh, very gentle and lowly in heart to me. And the, the storm's raging at him. He rebukes the storm. And the demon guys are coming at him. He rebukes the demons. He's like, wow, that doesn't look very gentle. That looks pretty scary. And remember, most of these situations, the disciples are with him. They're like, well, yeah, we're just kind of hanging out behind this guy who's rebuking stuff all over the place. Like, gentle and lowly in heart. How, how is he gentle and lowly when he's... And he's pretty mean with the religious people as well. It's like, you... What does he say? Woe to you. Woe. Woe to you Pharisees. You're not very nice people. <laughs> I'm like, this doesn't work. How are you gentle and lonely in the heart? But you kind of throw people out of the temple and you, and you heal the sick and rebuke demons and storms and Pharisees and get yourself in a whole heap of trouble gentle and lowly in heart you know why I think you can say that they didn't make anybody follow him everybody had a choice he breaks the demons heals the sick and then says follow me and then he walks off I mean, it's not recruitment 101 as we know it. It's like, you know, I need a following here. How can I get a following? Well, I'm going to do all this amazing stuff, ask you to follow me once, and walks off. We mustn't confuse passion, conviction, breakthrough, healing, miracles with coercion. It's, giving, it's showing everybody what heaven is like and giving them the option. And in fact, it got really scary. Do you remember the John 6 passage? I'm always puzzled by this, where he deliberately preaches a, um, 
I was going to say it was a carnival message, but it wasn't a carnival message. It was a cannibalistic message. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everybody turns away from him, and then he turns to the disciples and says, are you going as well? And they're like, you're freaking us out, but no. Again, my translation. Um, We don't understand you. We think you've just blown the church up with your radical ideas. Uh, But you have the words of eternal life. But he was giving them a choice. It was a difficult moment. They still had a choice. And I believe it's a heartbeat of freedom is we have a choice. That's how we're free before him because we have a choice to love him or not. Even when he does amazing things for us, he still goes, okay. We have a choice. We have powerful choices to make. I find it incredibly exciting and slightly daunting all at the same time. God, won't you just take over? No. God, just have your way. No. Have your way, Lord, have your way. No, he won't do that. He will if you let him. He will as we partner with him, as we lean into him, as we develop intimacy with the heartbeat of God inside of us, we start to partner with heaven. I think Peter knew that he was getting a taste of this. You know when they're in the boat? Because Jesus didn't say, come and walk on the water, all you disciples. If you're really, you know, up for it, guys, you're going to come and do this. He's just walking towards them, intending to go by. Peter sees him and says, Lord, if you want me to, I'll come. He takes the initiative. Jesus says, hey, come on, dude. Give it a try. It's fun out here on the waves. Again, my translation. The... And he does it so he partners with the Almighty in walking in a miracle for a little while. Yeah? He'll say, if it be your will, Lord, bideth me come. He's like, I want to try. Is it okay? And Jesus says, come on. Do, do you see? The partnership choice. And internally, we're, we're making those choices. I'm making those choices all the time. Am I partnering with distractions and fears and, and um, uh, you know, the list is endless. It's a preoccupations that are anxieties. Or am I partnering with the heartbeat of God? Because he's never anxious. So that's why it talks about in Philippians how prayer and supplication with thanksgiving that your requests remain known to God. Because it begins by saying, be anxious for nothing. And ends by saying, the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What's that saying is, Jesus is inside you. If you, we and you and I allow anxieties to take over us, that starts to move our heartbeat out of his heartbeat. But as we bring that stuff that distracts us to him, it's the peace of God starts to move us back into Christ who's within us.
So it was great, this word this morning, you know, oil coming out of Shoshana's hands and she said, I believe it's for releasing people from anxieties and fears. That's what God wants to do today because he wants those things pull you away from his heartbeat. He doesn't, he doesn't have anxiety and fear about anything. And he wants the peace of God to keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, in the heartbeat the spirit who is within you in that partnership not partnership with I don't know how am I going to pay the bill or what about my job next week or or, 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 or my children that are not doing well or, or, or yeah those things are kind of generate and generate, generate so that they become the thing that default inside of us are you with me like if we just have a moment where we just stop where do we swing well it's that thing I'm really worried about okay Actually, he wants to move us to a place where our default is, we're just here, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. I love you, I'm for you, the heartbeat of the Father. Now, what I usually do at that point is go, well, Father, now I'm in touch with you. What I really need you to fix is all these things I'm worried about. There's this and this and this and this and this. And often, I don't know if this happens to you, I feel like he's just waiting for me to run out of gas. Does that happen to you ever? Like, and you come, you go, rah, 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 and then you like answer now, please. And all you hear is, "I love you, son." Like, That's not the answer I need. I want an answer. Answer. Just, just come into my arms. Just, just know how much I love you. I think so much of you, son. That's no answer for paying that bill. No, I just love you. How is that any kind of answer? It's a God answer. Why is it a God answer? Because he resolves things relationally. He's gentle and lowly in heart. You're going to find rest for your soul in him. I'm going to find rest of my soul in him, not in him answering all the things that are stressing me out. That's putting my yoke on him. He's asked me to get his yoke on me. (laughs) I just thought of that. That's pretty good. (laughs) So let's, let's do a yoke swap this morning, eh? Because what happens in relationship, in the yoking with him, with our hearts beating in harmony, is suddenly the stuff that is driving us crazy in our life, and it's actually keeping us from that intimacy because it's preoccupying us, starts to melt away, and you suddenly gain heaven's perspective. And actually, in a love connection, things get fixed. Sure. So, so why don't we just pray together we just kind of land this and you just take a moment and say God I want, I want I choose your yoke not mine I choose to learn from you I choose to draw near to you I'm not drawing near because you're right over there no you're inside me you are inside me but I choose to cozy up to you and your feelings for me and 
what you feel, your heartbeat, your thoughts. I choose to, I, I just make a choice right now to push the eject button on all my stuff that's whizzing around. How about we do that? You may even want to prophetically just push a button like, and partner with, connect to the spirit of the living God who is inside of you, who's telling you he loves you, he's for you. No crap in the universe is going to mess your life up when you're cozied up to daddy God on the inside of you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When we stand in our own spirit, unaware of his greatness inside of us, we can feel intimidated by what's around us. When we stand in his spirit inside of us, who's greater than anything in the world, security comes. We choose his yoke. We choose his intimacy. We can safely connect to the one who is gentle and lowly in heart. And rest comes in our souls. We just start to go, oh. We choose you this morning. We choose your spirit inside us this morning. We choose your heartbeat this morning. We choose your thoughts over ours. We choose your agenda over our yoke. Father, I just want to declare this morning rest to souls. I just release rest to souls. Many souls are going to walk out of here at rest that came in jangled, preoccupied. I declare rest to your soul, a new appreciation for your connection to Jesus inside of you. He is our focus. He is our first love. He's really, really good at this. (laughs) he's really good at running life and the universe and probably one or two others as well he's just not phased by what we're phased by he's the ancient of days everything that's currently preoccupying you he's seen it before a trillion times over So Father, thank you. Thank you for those people who are getting healed this morning right now. Again, I'd invite you to check your body out. There's a, there's a miracle healing grace in the room this morning that you can choose to partner with. You've already seen some of it breaking out in people's bodies. It can happen for you too. And when it does, tell us. Because it's the testimony that actually solidifies what you're experiencing. So rest for your souls. Rest for my soul. Intimacy with Holy Spirit.